welcome back to another episode of The Exercise Engineer. This week we are talking about myths. In particular, I'm just going to bust some myths. I put a little question box up on my Instagram to ask all of you guys what your either your favourite myths are or ones that you want to debunk, stuff that you're genuinely interested in, like you've always wanted to know the answer. So I'm just going to work my way through these. I'm not just going to say... No, it's an absolute load of crap. I'm going to explain why and how we think they work and explain why I think some of them are successful and then also explain why maybe some of them aren't so successful and reasons why we should not just ignore them but understand why we don't need them in our lives. I'm just going to get started. So the first one I've written down, these are in no particular order by the way, um, my body can't get past a certain weight. So I think with, when it comes to this one, um, a lot of people know about um, set point theory. So our body is genetically predispositioned to be, well, I can't say that word, predispositioned to be a particular weight. So I think once our bodies get to that particular weight, they think, mm, yeah, no, I'm at that weight now. And I think a lot of the time that can be a placebo effect. So what I, what I would suggest is to stop weighing yourself at this point because off, more often than not, that is just a mental block. And then it can lead to self-sabotage as well. Um, but you, there is such thing as set, a set weight theory or set point theory or something like that. And your body can adapt to a set weight through different foods that we eat. It is very, very minor though. I think the, the link is the more highly processed foods you eat, the higher your set point will go in terms of body weight. So your body will be more pre-determined to be a higher weight. But again, very, very minor. I don't know the true research on that. I've only done a little bit of research, need to do some more digging, but it's just one of those that you just get in the rabbit hole and I could, I could literally read hours and hours and days on that. But I think once you've lost that weight, like it, it's, it, like it, it's to do with all the placebo effect, isn't it? So you'll get to a certain point and think, either your mindset will be like, no, this is, this is as light as I've ever been. This is where we stop and your mind will put a mental block on it. Or sometimes, and more often than not, you've worked your weight that low that you've put it, your calorie deficit or the calories that you were sitting on that were a calorie deficit and now your maintenance calories because your body is a lot smaller, it needs less energy and stuff like that. So sometimes it all is just double check your calories, like maybe just try reducing them by a couple of hundred and see if that ends up working. Or have you started to get complacent with your tracking and that's why you've plateaued? Um, like it can get really, not necessarily boring tracking, but definitely we can get complacent with, oh yeah, I know how much that is and you just add it on and then you forget little bits and it is just about sometimes resetting that and thinking, right, no, let's let's focus again um but you will still 100% lose weight if you're in a calorie deficit um your body however will make it more and more difficult to continue with that weight loss because it's it's the like thinking oh my god we're losing all this weight let's 
increase hunger levels so that they eat something. Let's slow down. It's not necessarily slowing down your metabolism, but you are less likely to be more out there. Like, especially with your hand gestures, your fidgeting, like your body will reduce all that like neat exercise that goes on in the background because you're in a calorie deficit. So your body is just making it harder as well. Um, but a top tip for this one is just to focus on 30 days. Try not to weigh yourself. Focus on doing everything right that you know, like follow the non-negotiables and you should be okay. Um, because more often than not, it is just more of a mental block than anything. Okay, next one. Uh, I don't think this one's quite um, a myth, but we'll go, we'll, we're going to go with it anyway. Calories on menus put me off ordering what I actually want to order. Now, I, I want to put a poll on my Instagram story on this because I'm so intrigued to see who's enjoying seeing all the calories on menus, who finds it beneficial and who just hates it or who hasn't even noticed. Like, I know quite a few people that are like, oh yeah, I don't, look at, I don't know what it means. And that baffles me because obviously calories and deficits and that it sounds really sad but that is like my whole life that's how we coach people that's how I I say we it's just me over here I don't know I don't know why I always say we um but I personally think they can be extremely beneficial just to help people understand the basics of sort of what they're eating, what they're putting in their body, because I think I've been out for dinner with a few people before and they look at it and they're like, oh my God, that's 2000 calories. And it's like, yeah, like that's, that's why I very, very rarely order pie and chips because it is, it's always more than 1500 calories. And it's like, wow, that's like, if you're a small woman, that's a good chunk of your daily calories. And that is literally like saying, right, I'm having this one meal today and then maybe a really small meal later or a snack and that's your daily calories. So I think when it comes to understanding how, how many calories your body needs that day and then looking at menus that are just catered to everyone, usually men, might I add, that's not me been sexist or anything, but usually their meal sizes are more catered towards men. Um, and then how does it leave us? Are we just supposed to eat smaller portions? Are we supposed to leave some of it? Or like, is that a waste? I've, I personally think, oh no, who, someone put this in my head probably like a year ago. I can't remember who it was now, but they were like, we should pay for the size of our portions. And this probably was when I was eating a little bit less than I do now. Like now I would be like, hell no, I need that full portion. <laughs> like I eat a lot now, but like the loo of a couple of years ago did like, didn't eat that much. Well, not compared to now anyway. Um, I've always had a good appetite. Um, but yeah, especially when you are a smaller woman, like that has not been sexist at all. We genuinely need less calories than men. We carry less muscle. We're smaller. There's just a lot of, there's a lot of things at play there and we just naturally need less calories and that's not me being bitter whatsoever. Just a little bit, just a little bit. But yeah, I think one way of putting this, like it can be really off-putting for someone who doesn't eat out often and they do just want to order what they want. But would you walk into Harrods or Selfridges and just pick up anything without looking at the price of it? Like, would you? 
No. Unless you're, you're some millionaire listening to this podcast. I don't know how you found me. Hello. My name's Lou. Let me coach you. Um, but, like, I, I seriously... We always, like, vast majority of us, 97% of people listening to this, will look at the price tag on a pair of trainers or a top that you pick up in the shop. So why why is it different when it comes to our calories like we all want to try and save money for stuff we all want to spend money more effectively and blah 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 exactly the same as our calories you can't spend calories that you don't have like if your body only needs 1600 calories a day because you're quite inactive and you're a small woman then having a meal that is like one meal of pie and chips is just like you realistically and then expect to eat your other two meals within that day i don't know i feel like i'm going off on a bit of a tangent here but i re it's just it is one to just ponder one to ponder that one i think um because you can't spend money twice so you can't really spend your calories twice if 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 you've got a particular goal let's let's put it that way but yeah that's just food for thought Literally. Okay, next one. Eating late at night is probably the worst thing you can do and it will be stored as fat. Okay. As humans, we have the ability to store energy for later use. And that's probably why we've managed to outlive quite a lot of species. Because we do, we can store energy for later use. And that's brilliant. And that's a great adaptation that we have I was going to use the word adapted with over time and that is the word so if you have eaten in a calorie surplus for that day the energy is going to be stored as fat whether you eat it before or after 6 p.m it will be stored as fat for later use that is literally all fat is it's just an excess energy reserve that is all it is so you're thinking a bit too short term if we're thinking oh if I eat it at five past six, it's going to get stored as fat. Whereas if you eat it before six, at uh, half five, it will get stored as fat. If you are in a calorie surplus, which means you are consuming more calories than you are expending throughout the day, then it will get stored as energy. However, however, it does work. But that's not, not the reason it works. Like, it's not because you're you're not eating after six. The fact is, it actually reduces the overall amount of calories that you are likely to eat during that day because most people this is this has been very generalized, but most people will eat or overeat on an evening after their dinner. So if you tell yourself not to eat after your dinner, like no snacks, once you've finished eating, then, you're likely to stick to your calories and lose weight in the long run. Even if you're not even tracking your calories, if you cut off any food after your dinner, you will likely see fat loss or like weight loss because you are removing all those mindless evening snacks. So it is super duper important that we understand that yes, it will work if you don't eat after 6 p.m., but the reason for it not working is because you are stopping yourself from going into a calorie surplus 
more likely, not because your body is not going to use that energy after 6pm, so it's going to get stored as fat. If you're in a calorie deficit, like your body will use that energy. It will use it because it needs it. If you're in a calorie surplus, it will store it. So a new rule, instead of don't eat after 6pm, just try not to snack after you finish your dinner and you'll see some results. Boom, next one. Okay, this one, I had no idea. Is the whoosh effect a myth? I was like, ooh, what is that? Never heard of it. Um, turns out it's a plateau and then you'll lose a lot of weight. So you'll, you'll be on your fat loss journey, you'll plateau for a bit and then suddenly you'll lose a load of weight. That's the whoosh effect, apparently. Not really sure what's going on there. Um, but I did a little bit of research for you. So it's, uh, there's a lot of links to, it's your fat cells that are filled up with water and then it whooshes. So this is also aligned with our hormones. So when our period comes, then we lose the water, which is usually like overnight and then whoosh. I don't really, I feel like I've not really <laughs> done enough research on that one yet. There wasn't that much there though. There wasn't enough to get stuck down a rabbit hole. Um, but yeah, again, with the plateaus, like I said earlier, it could be that we're sitting at maintenance calories. Maybe we just need to be more patient, maybe a bit more realistic. But you can't just, don't just wait for the whoosh because it might not come because it might not even exist. Not 100% with that one, guys. Sorry. Um, as I said that, I will try and do the research <laughs> if I don't know the answer. Okay, next one. Skipping breakfast will send your body into starvation mode. Ooh, I love this one because I used to believe it like really, really bad. Um, so I w I've been a, a solid breakfast eater my whole life. I don't think I, there's not many days I will go without eating breakfast because I actually, it's one of my favorites. Like, I love a good bowl of oats. I was actually telling someone at work the other day, it was so embarrassing. Like, that's probably one of my favourite things to eat, like a big bowl of oats with all your berries in it and banana and chocolate and a bit of peanut butter in there. Like, oh, nothing beats that. Nothing. But anyway, aside from that, unfortunately, like, there's there's another one out there that's saying uh, it's the worst thing you can do is not eat in the first 30 minutes of the day or like, or something along those lines. Um, but our bodies are not that finely tuned. Like if you don't eat breakfast or don't eat in the first 30 minutes of the day, your metabolism will not just like throw its toys out the pram and like be like, ah, what are you doing? No, it doesn't really work like that. But studies have shown that people who don't eat breakfast actually eat more at lunchtime. However, they still overall ate less than the people that had eaten breakfast. So yes, it seems like at lunchtime they eat more because they've not had breakfast, but the people who had breakfast have still overall eaten the most during the day. Um, but again, other studies have shown that eating breakfast before you work out means you can lift heavier weights because you've got more energy. Again, a bit of a myth with that one because as long as you've eaten carbs the day before, your body has stored enough glycogen to be able to use that as glucose. So you will have enough energy. Like that's another little one that wasn't even on the list. And I've just slid that one else in that slid another one in there for you guys. You are welcome. Um, 
But what I say with this one is do what works best for you. So when we were in lockdown for a bit, uh, I tried a little bit of intermittent fasting and it worked for me. Um, I know loads of people who love intermittent fasting, so they're skipping breakfast all the time. Um, and that's absolutely fine. That works fine for them. They're not hungry on the morning, so it's not a big issue. They do their um, workouts on an evening as well, which is a big difference. I think that's why I couldn't sustain intermittent fasting at the moment because I do, I get very hungry by about eight, half eight at work because I've already been up, I've done my hour workout, I've showered, I've walked to work, which is another half an hour. Like by the time I get to work, I'm pretty hungry and I am ready, I am ready for that breakfast. Whether that's me anticipating it, because I know it's coming, is another question, but I know that I'm definitely ready for it at that point. Um, but I'd be intrigued to see if, I, I, like, I'm sure my body wouldn't feel like it was starving if I knew that I wasn't going to eat until maybe half 10. I just like to know that I have refueled my body, especially after the intense workouts that I film on the morning. If, by the way, you want those workouts, you know where to find them now. Train with Lynn membership, come at me. Or if you want to sign up to my email newsletter, you get a free one every week. Free recipe and a free workout. You are welcome. Um, just follow the link in the show notes. Nice and easy one there for you. Um, but yeah, again, do what works for you. A lot of people come to me and they say, especially after all this um, fasting stuff going on with the podcasts in the news recently, doing fasted cardio. Oh, I currently do fasted cardio. Should I be? Should I not be? Oh, I always eat before. Should I not be doing that? And my question back is, are you getting results? Are you enjoying it? Like, if you if you feel like you're going to faint or you feel really weak during your workout when you do fasted cardio instead of having a little bit of fuel before you go, then have something before you go. Like, it is totally up to you what works best for your body. That is, every time I will ask, I will ask that back to you. If you come at me with, oh, I'm doing this, my friend told me to do this, blah, 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 blah. Eh, are you getting results? Yeah, if yes, fantastic. That's a good enough reason. No, if you're not getting results, why do you not think you're getting results? Are you enjoying it? Etc. Etc. So those are the things, but those are the types of questions that we cover in one-to-one -one coaching and we will find a way that makes it right for you, that makes it suitable for you and that fits into your life. That's the point of it. Just because it works for someone else does not mean it's going to work for you and chances are it won't work for you. Like, that's how brutal it is. If it works for me, not necessarily mean it was going to work for you. And vice versa. Exactly the same as intermittent fasting. I don't think that would work for me. I would get way too hungry. Okay, next question. Fruit is high in sugar and therefore fattening. Right. Can we just, can we just stop there? Can we just stop there? Right. There's nothing wrong. Right. I think this is off the back of, again, another few podcasts that have been in uh, spiraling round recently and trending. Um, so this is all to do with your glucose spiking after you've eaten fruit or different fruits or people saying that you should coat it in fat and then eat your fruit because then your glucose spike won't be as high. Something like that. There is nothing wrong with increasing your glucose after a meal because 
your body knows it's coming like your insulin levels go up even just the thought of eating or like even when you start eating it and it's still in your mouth it hasn't even started digesting yet your insulin levels have been shown to go up so your body knows it's coming it's a, it, it it's accounting for those glucose spikes anywhere i think if you focus too much on glucose spikes you'll eat less fruit and veg overall and actually have a much poorer diet than if you just ate the fruit because you wanted to eat some fruit like there are so many good benefits from eating loads of fruits and veggies like hydration because they are they've got like really high water percentage in them um different nutrients they're so colorful high volume foods which means you can eat more of them for the same amount of calories as other foods so you'll feel fuller for longer. It feels like you're eating more and it actually makes it so much easier to stick to your diet as well. Like adherence is crucial when it comes to fat loss and sticking to a calorie deficit. And the more food you eat, the more likely you are to stick to it. Therefore, eating high volume foods like fruit and vegetables are going to be super, super beneficial. However, I will say too much of a good thing is bad. Like if you ate so much fruit that it put you into a calorie surplus then yeah it will get stored as fat and it will become fattening but if you just eat everything in moderation like normal then that's absolutely fine and fruit is not it's not fattening please let's let's just throw that one out the window right now right now okay next one all oh, right yeah i don't like this one being overweight is due to lack of willpower right I really, yeah, I really dislike this because I think it is assumed by a lot of either like generally fitness professionals, but also like people at work as well and bosses. And there has been a few things that it's like if there's two people and there's a fat person and a skinny person, they're more likely to give it to the skinny person because they, they show more willpower. And it's like it's implying that leaner people are superior because they have more willpower or something like that. I exercise every day and eat healthy food every day because I enjoy it. It's not because I have more willpower than everyone else. Like, if I hated it, chances are I wouldn't do it. Like, I wouldn't go to a gym if I hate going to the gym. Like, I very, re like, do I, do, do I, do you ever see me going to the gym? No, I work out at home because I don't really enjoy going to the gym. I think it's overcrowded and honestly quite boring. So I love doing my home workouts and swinging kettlebells around the living room because I can do it in the comfort of my own home. And that's fine. I've found something that I enjoy and all my clients have found something that they enjoy too. So if you don't like going to the gym, then don't. Find another form of exercise that you do like that fits into your life because if you live your life, you'll find something you enjoy. It'll make it much easier to stick to and therefore you'll enjoy movement more, enjoy life more, and also work towards your goals at the same time. Um, another one on this one to do with the willpower is in my flat, you will not find much junk food at all. You won't find much chocolate. Like I do have squares of dark chocolate and that's for things like porridge on a weekend. Um, but that's like really dark chocolates to the point that I wouldn't really eat it on its own because it's not that enjoy like hundred percent like you're not gonna not gonna eat that on its own. I'll 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 probably stretch to eighty percent, but not eating hundred percent on its own. It's very 
yeah, that was probably a really rank sound to listen to on a podcast. I'm intrigued to know what that sounds like later. Um, <laughs> but if you surround yourself with temptation, you are making it that much harder to stick to your willpower and stick to your goals, stick to your calorie deficit and cut out that sort of food. Like, just try and make it easier for yourself by not surrounding yourself by those types of food. Like, I know a lot of people that have obviously lots of stuff in the office that you don't really have control over, but don't have it on the desk right next to you, at least. Like, put it out of sight, out of mind, so that you're not constantly sitting next to it and thinking about it. It's like, oh, should I have another one? No. You probably could, but at least get up and walk to it instead of having it right next to you. Um, but yeah, I just remove the temptation altogether. I am not saying you're not allowed to eat these types of foods, but if you want them, you'll have to walk to a shop to go get it. You're making it harder for you to eat those foods. So reduce the temptation and that helps with the willpower. Um, also decision fatigue, like just make the decision once to not have it and actually that makes it so much easier. Like in dry January, I actually find that really easy. Like I really don't, I don't struggle at all because I've already made the decision before that no, I'm not having any. And it, it does seem very all or nothing, but it works because you only have to make the decision once. There's no, mm, shall I, no, shall I have that today? No, you've already made the decision. You're not having it for the whole of January, end of. It makes it so much easier. And I think that's when people who are trying to diet, yes, it's easier to just say, no, I'm not going to have any biscuits. But the minute you then have one biscuit again, you're like, oh, well, I've messed it up now. I may as well have the whole packet. And again, the same after dry January. Sometimes it is well known as well, maybe not well known. Maybe that's just in our office at work, but like fucked up Feb because you've done dry Jan and then your first few drinks back are like, yes, done it, smashed it, let's go. And that's not quite the approach I'm going for because that is very all or nothing. However, that is usually what happens. So I think, yes, it's easier to have the all or nothing approach and just remove the temptation, remove the need to rely on your willpower and that decision fatigue. But I think everything in moderation. But if you do limit things, oh, this comes back to, and is it like the diminishing returns, the law of diminishing returns or something? The more you have something, the less you're going to enjoy it. Oh, I might have totally butchered this. I think I might have done. But it does... What I'm, what I'm going to say does make sense, whether it's that law or not. But when I limit things, I enjoy it so much more because I don't just end up having it every day, getting used to it. And I appreciate it that much more as well. So for example, at the weekend, again, this might make me sound really boring and you might turn the podcast off after you hear this, but I went out for drinks with friends on Saturday and I started it with two pints of lime soda. Woohoo! Like I am mental. And then we went to a bar and, well, the first pub, let me just, let me just set the scene. It was a, it was a taddy. It was a taddy pub, whatever. If, is it, is it called a Sam Smith pub? I don't know. But it's the one with taddy lager. And I'm not being funny. 
I am not wasting my calories on that. It tastes rank. And also, I had a nice run planned in for Sunday morning. I had some nice yoga planned in for Sunday. I was like, I am not having a hangover for the taste of Taddy Lager. So I was like, do you know what? I'm going to have a lime soda. Perfect. Sorted me right out. Then we went to another bar afterwards and they had a spicy marg. And I was like, oh, do you know what? Yeah. I ordered one of those and I thoroughly enjoyed it. Like, I savoured that bad boy. And I literally had the one drink and then went home. After a couple of hours, I was like, yeah, I feel satisfied with my evening. And again, this might make me sound really boring, but I enjoyed that spicy marg so much because I had limited it. And it is just, I don't know. I just, I, it's not been overindulgent at all. It's not been boring. Like I know a lot of, I, I was definitely one of these people at uni. If someone didn't want to drink, I'd be like, oh, don't be boring. I am so sorry to anyone that I said that to at uni because I definitely said that multiple times. I was awful. Like, <laughs> I am such a better person now, I promise. Come back, be my friend now. Um, Because I am that person. Like, I hate it when people are like, oh, just have one. I oh, stop being boring. It's like, oh, what's happened to you? You've changed. And it's like, well, no, I haven't changed. But also, I've developed. And why haven't you changed? Like, that's, that's the biggest question. Why haven't you changed? Right, this is going off a completely different tangent now. I will just reel it back in, but make it easier to stick to your goals. Another example, take your gym stuff to work with you. If you know that you're going to work out, you're going to go to the gym after work, but you're going to come home, then get your stuff, then go back out, make it easier and take it with you. I know that sounds really basic and like quite obvious, but if that sounds really obvious, then great. If you might have not thought of that though, but you are tackling, you are testing your willpower every time you get in to get your gym stuff to go back out because chances are once you get in, you, you would get distracted. There'll be something else going on. You'll sit down for just, oh, just two seconds and then that's it. You won't get back up and you won't go. If you take your gym stuff with you, you are making it easier to go to the gym because you've already got your stuff there. You go straight there, then you get home. Voila. Like, stop waiting and find a way to enjoy it instead of just waiting for your goals. So again, that leads back to the patience thing. Like, you'll need much less patience and enjoy it for life if you just, if you stop waiting for it to happen. So just find a way to enjoy it. Find a way that you're going to want to do it for life. And that is the approach there. It's not the fact you've got lack of willpower. It's most of the time, lack of patience. You want results now. And I'm not saying you, I'm not out in you right now because I am talking directly to you right now. But it is not that you have, like, it's not like all humans, like we're all, we are all impatient. We want the results now. We want the test anything, anything. We want it now. Most of the time, we just want it straight away. And that is so normal. Please don't think I'm like out in you there. That is so normal. But the people that are successful are the people that can sit with the patients. Like they feel impatient, but they don't action it and think, oh, I'm not doing it anymore. Sit with the patients know that it's coming, understand that because you're being patient, it's going to work and it will. Okay, next question. How many of we, these have we got? Loads of myths coming out. 
Uh, being menopausal means I need to cut out whole food groups. God, I can't speak. Whole food groups to achieve the same goals. Right, okay. This is not true at all because I think, well, to a certain extent, because everyone reacts completely differently to being menopausal, perimenopausal. This can link, link into periods as well in PCOS. Like there's so many different variations of women's hormone cycles and gosh again another rabbit hole we could go down right now but again not this is this is not one size fits all again this is where one-to-one -one coaching comes in because we will help you specifically find what works for you like the same principles will apply but it is just often harder because you've got a few more extra symptoms to work with but the same principles apply. It's just your body that's fighting back just that little bit more, which can be annoying. It can be, it can be really frustrating, especially when it might have, it used to be a little bit easier. Like it will get harder, but often like, even if you've got like a really quite a low fat percentage already and you're still trying to lose fat, it does get harder because your body fights back harder. So no matter what stage you're at, of this fat loss journey of whatever journey you are on in your fitness or health journey it it doesn't it almost doesn't get easier and understanding that <laughs> will help you so much more in the long run because just accepting that you're going to be doing it for life is step one this i think i don't know why but it just reminded me of public speaking then so you see all these great public speakers Oh, up on the stage and it's like they just look so chilled like where it's whether it's comedians or even like professors at uni talking through stuff like in front of thousands of people or like people like concerts and it's like how are they doing that and they look so chilled out and I obviously it just comes down to practice 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 but the bit that gets to me is when people say oh yeah it doesn't get any easier like they are still shitting themselves the same amount as they were the first time that which i find bizarre because they look so chilled out and if that was me i'd be up there shaking like a shitting dog and honestly i think it blows my mind that they are still as scared as they were the first time and i think that links quite nicely into fat loss because not that we're scared, but it's still just as hard. No matter where you are along that fitness journey, it's still going to be difficult. Like fat loss is simple, but it's not easy at all. It's still difficult. Like I've been doing this for years now. I'm in a bit of a fat loss phase at the moment and I am still finding it difficult. And I, I am not scared to admit that at all and think, oh, but she's a coach. How is she supposed to coach other people if she finds it hard? It's hard. And that's the point. That's why coaches often have coaches as well. Because it's hard. It's not supposed to be easy. If it was easy, everyone would do it and everyone would have their perfect bodies. But it's just not the case. But again, that's just why finding what works for you is so beneficial. And that's why one-to-one -one coaching is so personable and so beneficial. Okay. Next question. Well, next, next myth, should I say. I've damaged my metabolism with bad diets. Oh my God, I love this one. So you see these quite a lot on Instagram and they are often 
more often than not, someone's said you've damaged your metabolism because you've been dieting, yo-yo dieting your whole life and now you've damaged your metabolism. Then they'll try and sell you some really expensive plan or something to reset it. However, this does actually work quite a lot of the time and it, but it's not at all because they are resetting your metabolism. So the thing is with this one is once they put you on the plan to reset it, you become consistent with hitting your calories, which is often a slight calorie deficit. Like it'll be a lot more than you used to eat. So say you've been yo-yo dieting and now your diet calories are 1200 calories, which is ridiculously low by the way. But you're like, I, I can't lose any weight and I'm only eating 1200 calories. That is not because you have damaged your metabolism. That is an adherence problem. So you will likely not be sticking to those calories consistently and overeating a lot more than you think when you're not sticking to those calories, meaning that overall you're not in a calorie deficit for the week and therefore you will not lose fat. I forgot what I was going to say then. So you think, yeah, then you're overeating. So it's not that you've damaged your metabolism, it's just an adherence problem. And I'm not saying that's your problem, like your shit at sticking to stuff, like adherence. No, again, we're all bad at it. Like it's not, <laughs> I'm taking us all down with it because again, we want that instant gratification. And if we can have a nice chocolate bar now and enjoy that, most of us will choose the nice chocolate bar or office donut over our long-term goals because we get instant gratification from it. So how those plans work is they will get you to stick to a consistent calorie, which is often higher than the 1200 calories that you, you, you say you've been eating. It'll seem like you're eating more to reset the calories but actually you'll still be in a calorie deficit. You'll just be consistently in a calorie deficit because you'll be able to adhere to it. So therefore you will lose weight. And that's how it works. Not because you are resetting your metabolism. Next myth. Weight training will make me bulky. Wow, I've heard this one a lot and I used to totally, totally say it myself. And I put another one on the back of this as well because these two link quite nicely. That training upper body will make me look manly. Wow, I just love these so much. Right, gals, here we go. Sorry, sorry any men listening. I'm just addressing the ladies right now because we don't, apparently we don't want to look bulky or manly. So, Unless you take testosterone supplements, us gals don't have enough testosterone to build a manly and bulky figure. Trust me. Like, seriously, trust me when I say muscle takes a long time to build. Right, let's just picture, picture some people in your life that you know consistently go to the gym all the time and, like, maybe try and pitch try and picture a man. Yes, they might be quite quite huge, but how much have they been going to the gym? And how long have they been going to the gym for? You can ask any guy in a gym who has an excess amount of testosterone to build muscle that you don't want to get bulky, they will laugh in your face because I know that sounds mean, but you cannot 
it's it, building muscle is such a slow process. Like you are not going to do one upper body session and wake up and be like, bam, damn, oh my god, I look like a man. Oh my god, what have I done? It will build so slowly that you will you'll realize and think, mm, actually, maybe I want to slow down a little bit. Like you are not just going to wake up one day and be like, oh my god, I look like a man. That is not going to happen. Like some days. Especially if I've eaten a lot, especially when I was in like my mid bulk, I would look at my figure and be a bit like, ooh, maybe I need to slow down a little bit. But in the greater scheme of things, when I still put a dress on that, that weekend, I still look feminine. I still look lean. I still look sexy. Like, I still, I think what I always said was I will still lift weights until I stop looking pretty in a dress. And I know that sounds like, oh, little princess Louise, but no. Like, I forever want to be pretty in a dress, but I also want to be a strong-ass motherfucker. <laughs> Excuse my language, but, like, I still want to build as much muscle as I can, but still look pretty in a dress. And I think that is absolutely fine. That is great goals to have. And the fact that I've been lifting heavy, upper body, lifting weights for years now, and I can still feel pretty in a dress, just goes to show that you doing a couple of upper body workouts a couple of times a week is not going to make you look like a man. Like seriously, trust me, it doesn't, it just doesn't work like that. Like build it. And also, can I just say, building muscle actually aids with fat loss as well, because it will give you that more turned look, that more, it's like, I was going to say sleek. That's not right, is it? Turned and lean physique. I, put, I think I put sleek. I don't know what I did there. Combined two different words there. Um, and also having more muscle on your body will use more energy because muscle uses more energy than fat, which means you're actually slightly increasing your metabolism from having more muscle on your body. Just think of it like that. So the more muscle you've got, whether it's upper body or lower body, if it's a bit of everywhere, you'll have overall more muscle, meaning you can eat more. It's not, it's not a drastic amount. Like you're not going to put on an extra thousand calories, but it is maybe a couple of hundred more over, over a few years. Like it does, it does add up and it's very beneficial and it's great. Last myth. You can't build muscle and lose fat at the same time. Right. Okay. This one might seem quite confusing because in order to lose fat, we need to be in a calorie deficit. But to build muscle, we need to be in a calorie surplus, which means you need to eat more. You need to consume more calories than you're expending. So how can you do both? But uh, chance, like you can, you really, really can. A lot of my clients are currently in more of like lean bulk slash, I would call it more of like a body recomp, like body recomposition, meaning that we are exercising to build muscle, but also losing fat at the same time. And how we, how I would recommend this is that you do track your calories and you eat at about maintenance, if not slightly above, depending on what your priority is first, if you would prefer to lose fat and then build muscle so you can see the progress. That's more of a psychological benefit than anything else. But if not, it will be happening in the background and you will be building muscle and losing fat at the same time. Even if the scale weight isn't moving much, that's probably a good thing because that shows that you are building muscle at the same time. It doesn't 
it doesn't build at the same rate that we lose fat. So you probably still will see some movement on the scales, but that is the general crux of it. So what I think it is doable, but it is quite difficult because it, you've, you've got to get it, you've got to get it right. So these are a few steps that I would recommend that you do. So number one, I would get some form of training plan to stick to and you should be hitting at least each muscle group at least twice per week. Either from the gym or at home or anything like that, I would recommend at least three to five resistance workouts per week and then somehow build your cardio into this as well. That will just help with the fat loss and your general movement and your health and your mood. Um, for those of you in my Train With Loom membership, you do not have to worry about this. I've already thought about it when I write the workouts. So all you literally have to do is do the workouts. I've got that covered for you. Do not worry. So my membership people get five workouts per week. These include both resistance and HIIT workouts, both um, weight training and body weight training. Just a nice mixture of all of it. So you can mix and match and just do it all in your home. Um, if you're not going to do all five, as long as you're doing one lower body, one upper body, and I would recommend the full body, that will ensure that you are hitting all muscle groups twice per week. So if you're only going to do three out of my five, those are the three I want you to do. Number two, I want you to track your calories. So use my calorie calculator, which will be via the link in the show notes or it's in uh, one of my free guides, my non-negotiable guide, and it's in any of my ebooks as well. There's a link to all of them in there. Um, all my e-programs, which are great. I spend a lot of time on those, like, oh, just finished the hybrid at home one. I'm so proud of it. I've probably already mentioned it. I'm sorry. Uh, you can find those on my website, theexerciseengineer.com or uh, on my Instagram. Anyway, I'll stop plugging that now. Um, but yeah, that calculator will give you your maintenance calories, which is your TDEE, your total daily energy expenditure. And then I want you to add on about 100 to 200 to create a lean bulk. Or if you want to create a calorie deficit, then I would minus 200 to 500. Try not to minus more than 500 from your TDEE because it it will become really, really difficult to stick to because your body needs those calories to function. So yeah, I would try not to minus too many calories from that. Uh, number three, increase your protein. So protein is so, so important for helping to refuel and repair your muscles, especially if you're training quite hard in the gym or at home. And it will help you feel fuller for longer because it goes deeper into your tract and therefore your hunger hormones don't get released for longer. So you'll feel much more satiated for longer. So I would aim for about two grams of protein per kg of body weight or if you're a, I don't even know, 70 kg woman doing 10,000 steps a day ish. I don't know. This is such a, this is such a crude ballpark. I'd be aiming for at least 100 grams of protein, if not slightly more. And then if you were training really, really hard, I would, I would aim for a bit more than that. Get it up there. I have at least 200 grams, which a lot of people might seem as excessive, but I thoroughly enjoy it. I enjoy eating it and I think it fuels my body well. And I don't know. That's just, that's just how much I eat. Um, 
Number four, be patient. So I would rather you a bit like be patient and consistent. So I would rather you did three workouts a week, 50 weeks of the year, than try and do seven workouts in the first week, only manage two or three weeks and then do nothing for the rest of the year. Or six months later, rejoin when you think, oh no, I'm ready for round two. Like fat loss and muscle building, again, takes so much longer than we think. So literally strap in for the journey because you're going to be doing it all your life. Like the sooner you get your head around that, the easier it'll be and the more you will enjoy it, which is number five. Enjoy the process. The more you enjoy it, the more likely you are to sustain it. It is a long-term thing. Remember, like your health is a long-term thing. It's not a quick fix. So find something you love. Doesn't have to be the gym. It doesn't have to be my workouts, but find movement that you love and stick at it. Like if you need help with any of this, you know where I'm at. Train with Lou membership. It's in my Insta bio. It's in the show notes of this podcast. It's everywhere. And you can either join my waiting list to hear about my new openings, join my email newsletter for a free weekly workout if you want to test them out a bit. Or I've got my one-to-one coaching if you need that extra accountability, that extra guidance, like I have got you. You give me 100%, I will give you 100% back. I promise. Okay, I think that is enough myths busted for now. I hope you enjoyed that, guys. I will be putting, I got some really, really good ones there. Like those are all from Instagram. So I will be putting another question box up uh, in a few weeks, maybe, about some more myths that I can bust. And because I love doing the research on them if I've not heard of them before, especially that whoosh one. What was that all about? The whoosh effect. So I want to do a little bit more in depth on that one. But yes, that is where we're going to go from there. So have a lovely week, guys, and I will see you next week. Bye bye.